Welcome to an emergency edition of The Audible presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined as always by Bruce Feldman. Hey, when we last left off, Bruce, silly me, naively, I said, well, I'm going to be out for a couple weeks, so see you when I get back. Uh, college sports, man, they always rope you back in. Right there, you're right there at the epicenter of conference realignment. Last year, the epicenter of conference realignment was Oklahoma, Texas. This year, it is Southern California, USC, and UCLA joining the Big Ten. How did this happen? Well, you know what's interesting, Stu, especially living down here, knowing a bunch of USC people, there has been so much frustration over the years. And I'm talking almost the whole time I know that I've lived out here, but it feels like probably for at least about 15 years where it's like, why are we making this be we being US? Why are we making the same amount of money as Oregon State and Washington State? We're the mm-hmm. ones who bring it, you know, like that that sentiment has come up a lot. And obviously in the, the Big Twelve, where it was a different different money and there were different tiers for rights, and so Texas and OU were making a lot more than some of the other uh, other programs in that conference. But in this case, you know, huge market USC and it's just a fascinating thing. Like I think it had TV deals, as you know, the big 10 TV deal, uh, TV rights deal is coming up. It just got a lot more attractive, right? Because now you have not just one, but two traditional, you know, second biggest media market in the country. And unlike it with New York, I mean, USC is a huge presence. It's not like, you know, you know what I'm saying with with New York and the Big Ten pool. I mean, this is like a big, this is huge news out here in Los Angeles, especially. And so um, I think you take that as a backdrop and then we'll see where, you know, what else the Big Ten might be trying to do um, going forward to, I don't want to say build its empire, but just just build its brand even further. A few years ago, I interviewed Bob Bowlesby for a story about realignment, what the next re- wave of realignment might be. Unfortunately, I did not get either one right. Um, and I remember him saying, he used to be the AD at Stanford. And he said, even back then, Mike Garrett would threaten, you know, kind of throw around, threaten the idea of them going independent. Like, I feel like we've heard that. USC should just go out and go independent and, and, and you know, not stick around the, the, the Pac-12, which is dragging us down, more than I ever heard the idea that they would go to the Big Ten just because we've seen some weird geography moves before, but this one is is unprecedented. The idea that they're going to be playing conference games in New Jersey, the L.A. schools in New Jersey, Maryland, State College, Pennsylvania, good luck getting to that one without a charter. Um, they'll, but, probably have a char- they'll probably have a charter, though. They will for football. They can, I mean, they can afford it. Well, this is a college football podcast, but you know, there's a whole other element of this of like, how on earth are they going to do schedules for their other teams? But that, that's a whole other uh, discussion to be had. But um, this is just one quick reminder, and and, and I feel like um, conference realignment, the last real or the first real go round of this, whatever it was eight years ago or ten years ago. Um, the one thing I think it really hammered home was football drives the bus. Yes. Football drives the money. Yeah, we college basketball can be a big deal. Yeah, there's other sports that you can get into. Football drives the bus. Um, it's just huge, you know. And so everything else will fall, I would say, will fall online to some degree. And, you know, uh, there'll probably be some really tough decisions. Sure. Um, 
TV football drives the bus in TV and TV drives the bus in everything. And I'll be curious, obviously, to hear from the schools themselves, but I think they saw the writing on the wall. We've seen a lot of leaks about the Big Ten TV discussions recently, like that could be coming at any time. And the one billion dollar, one billion dollar figure was being thrown. They could become the first conference to make one billion dollars a year from their television contract. Meanwhile, you know, Larry Scott, (laughs) this is like the last piece of his legacy. He just kept saying, wait till 2024, wait till 2024. You know, we, we were so smart to not partner with another uh, media company. We hold all the rights. Just wait till what happens and we could sell all of our rights at once. Yeah, you, know how, you don't have anything left to sell almost. Um, yeah, it's being very naive. I think that they saw the writing on the wall that the future of college sports is that the Big Ten and the SEC are their own. Forget Power Five. They are the Power Two. They are pulling away from everybody. And that's who you want to be in business with. Um, the traditional kind of old Pac-10 mindset, right, from a previous generation. Oh, you, you know, USC and UCLA are always going to play Cal and Stanford. They would never leave them behind, right? That's out the window. You know, I think that the future of college sports is not going to be, um, you're not going to let something like that constrain you. Oklahoma is ditching Oklahoma State. Texas is ditching Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU. Um, I mean, this cannot be going over well right now in Berkeley and at Stanford, um, you know, Arizona, Arizona state, you know, like these other Arizona state has been, you know, a traditional pact. You take a look at some of this and the way it was described to me, um, by somebody really close to USC was this is just a very necessary move that needed to happen because I think. USC, look, you just did your, I don't know, it was a month ago. I don't know if it was two weeks ago. You did your barons and and Mm -hmm. alignment. Um, One of the biggest challenges to that, I had this conversation with somebody. um, There was an Elite 11 regional out here about a month ago with with a friend of mine who works in college athletics. And it was the day of, and he talked about this conversation he had with like kind of a big sports power broker. And... It was hard for me to wrap my head around this person's descriptions of how if you are in the right in the right league or alignment, whether you're Vanderbilt or Purdue, you could be much better positioned in a windfall of cash potentially than USC. And USC didn't fit to me. And like, you know, if you'd said Colorado, I'd be like, yeah. If you'd said Arizona State, I'd be like, yeah even in Utah, because that's, you know, Utah, that's where they were up till recently were were aligned that way. USC is the one that really didn't fit more than any other. And so I think USC recognized that as much as anyone else. They have a lot of leverage. And I also think if you're the Big Ten, this move looks a lot better now with Lincoln Riley as the face of the program than it did um, seven months ago when it was Limbo. And, you know, 10 months ago when it was Clay Helton. I, th- I think there's just a lot of feelings now about just how, I don't want to say how strong the USC brand is or how hot it is, but there is definitely that. And again, it's a big market. And I think, it, again, this is not trying to say that USC is going to be a playoff team this year, but I just think USC is a much more attractive brand again for the first time in, I don't know, a decade. The last eight months or so of USC athletics, I mean, it was about three years there, just total malaise. The fan base checked out. Clay Helton 
when are they going to fire him? Is he coming back? Is he going to, and then it just right after another Lincoln Riley, that was a big power move. Um, and now, I mean, the ultimate flex, right? We're going to go to, I'm sure there are, it may be generational. I'm sure there are USC and UCLA fans who actually don't like this news, right? Like they, they like having a West coast conference and playing those traditional rivals. And I these are, I, these are, these are the same people who are like, I'd rather go to the Rose bowl. than. To I the don't know. I don't know. No, no, no. I don't know USC. I don't know those USC people. I, maybe okay. they exist. But I just remember, like there were there was a big chunk of, I want to say USC practiced at whatever Stub Hub is now or Dignity Health Center. It's in Carson, and they practiced there for their, uh, maybe for their bowl prep or something. But it was like, eh, we're going to the Rose Bowl again. You know, it was like yeah. to them. I don't think, and I don't say that's uniform, but just like I think that's all. I think they look at it differently. I'm curious. I've not talked to enough UCLA people to really get a read on what they think. But I know this, I don't think if USC left and they were stuck in left, what is the rest of the PAC 12? I think that would rub a lot of them the wrong way. So I, I think there's probably a lot of, all right, let's go. We got to, yeah. we got to compete with them now, but I don't, I don't think it's like, you got to remember so much. And I know, you know, this so much of the big tens persona has been tied to the, the AAU and the academic rankings and how they look at, things differently um that's tied with the big 10 but it's also usc and ucla look at themselves with a similar prestige you know they don't maybe identify themselves as with the with the sec sec but i think they do are more in alignment because you got the long term you know forever rose bowl um kind of umbrella that they all kind of operate under but a lot of times usc and UCLA, but especially USC, have played a lot of these programs. Certainly, you know Michigan and Michigan and Ohio State, but you know they played Nebraska and Wisconsin a bunch of times of late and in bowl games and postseason. And and so I think the, a lot of that is formed. And I just feel like there's a little bit more of a connection there. It took a year, but I think this is the move that if you're the Big Ten and you're going to expand, this is the move you make. I remember last summer after Oklahoma, Texas, and everybody was freaking out. What are you going to do to keep pace? And, you know, there was this, they're going to take Kansas. They're going to take Iowa State. I'm like, that. why would they do that? They have this prestigious conference, the, the, the best TV deal in sports. Those schools don't add anything to them, but the L.A. schools definitely do, and in, in USC in particular. The notion that you're now going to have, I don't know how frequent, but more frequent than now, USC, Ohio State, USC, Michigan, USC, Penn State. Those are those are big ticket, big ticket games. You brought up the Kings and Barons thing a second ago. I just looked and, and this is this is all you need to know. Out of the 10 programs that I had as in Alabama's case, an emperor and then the nine kings after Texas, Oklahoma and USC make their moves, eight of the 10 king kings and emperor, eight of the 10, 80 percent. Big in the Big Ten or SEC, the only exceptions being Clemson and Notre Dame. Um, that tells you just how slanted this sport is becoming to those two conferences. What the Big Ten did do last summer, which puzzled me up until today, was join and form an alliance with two conferences that aren't nearly as powerful as they are, the ACC and Pac-12. And they held this Zoom conference, press conference, to announce it with the three commissioners, and they had a backdrop. And you're a bit of a prophet, my friend. I found this co press conference clip today. We're going to play it. You asked a very a question that has suddenly 
uh, very pertinent today. And the answer just, it made us roll our eyes then and God knows today. Let's, let's play it. Question for you guys just from earlier about there being no signed document. I mean, Jim, you just talked about stabilizing a volatile environment. I mean, what do you say to people who listen to that and think, you know, I, I mean, I've talked to some big 12 ADs who felt like the big 12 was as stable it had been for the last decade to have no signed document. You have 41 different schools. Obviously there are some that are going to have seem to have more leverage than others who would, you know, to think that there is no signed document, that this Alliance isn't very binding at all. Um, how do you, I guess, how do you ensure people feel like this is actually has some strength where you don't think somebody's going to pull an end run or do something outside the alliance to better their own specific situation? I'd say this, Bruce. It's about trust. Mm. It's about <laughs> we've looked each other in the eye. Oh, no. We've made an agreement. We have great confidence and faith. Our board chairs have looked each other in the eye and have committed to the same level of support and connection to same one another. One eye or both eyes. Directors have done that. And so... If that's what it takes to get something considerable done, then, you know, we've, we've lost our way. Right there, right there. <laughs> we've, apparently they've lost their way. Apparently they've lost their way, Bruce, because they, they, they violated that unwritten uh, contract that, that looked in the eyes agreement. USC and UCLA just, just, and the Big Ten just like totally ignored the protocol there. You know what's a little nutty about this? So I'm I'm having kind of flashbacks myself. So when the Big Twelve um, Texas OU news bubbled up, I was at in Indianapolis at was it Indianapolis or Chicago last year? I'm trying to remember. I think it was Indianapolis for the Big Ten Media Days, and I remember the second day I basically spent half the time I was there just kind of holed up in a little spot in a lunchroom just on the phone with big 12 ADs and they were mortified slash pissed slashed slash um kind of like you just kind of had their minds blown and having that as a backdrop again and that was at big 10 big 10 media days even though it was a big 12 story it just happened to unfold then um i just remember thinking like all right, you know, this has just happened, just happened. I think the press conference you just played was probably three weeks later. Um, so the idea that that wouldn't happen again, you know, like makes no sense. Right. And <laughs> I, I really like Jim Phillips. I think he's smart I and mean, he's got awesome people skills. I think he's like, I think he was a good hire for the ACC. But I remember when he said that to me, I kind of cringed. You know, because it was one of those where, you know, you have a buddy who may say something to you, and you listen to him say that about like, I don't know, about a woman he's dating or a relationship he's in. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not going to be. And I think Klyovkov, who I didn't very, I mean, I'd met, but I didn't really know particularly well at the time. I remember the looks, you know, like it's a Zoom. And I remember looking and go, ooh, this is, you know, like, I don't know, in all likelihood, obviously, he's the one who's who's got, who got the Bowlesby out of this, you know, and it's the only difference is to me, Bowlesby had lo much longer relationships. Like Bowlesby really got, um, kind of de on this, you know, much more than Klyovkov did, but 
Uh, nope, you nope. say that, but James Crepia at the Oregonian, once this broke, put up a QA and a he did with him maybe a couple weeks ago in which it was exactly like Bowlesby. He said he had absolutely no concerns about any schools leaving for another conference. Well, it the feels only reason like why, he got blindsided just like Bowlesby did. Yeah, the only reason why I said that about Bowlesby more than Klopkov is Bowlesby has been there for a long, long time. Remember, he was in the room with with uh, Greg Sankey and as well as, I think, um, uh, Jack Swarbrick. But he was in the room when they were having all these other discussions. So I just felt like it was like, felt like it was maybe a, another level of of betrayal, maybe another degree of it. But, you know, I don't think it matters, you know, at the end of the day, how, you know, whether Wilhelm was even more salt in the wound or not. Speaking of Jack Swarbrick, Stu, let me ask you. So it wouldn't, you know, the Big Ten may not be done yet. Um, if that's the case, rank these schools, which you think would be the most desirable. I'm not saying that they would be most likely, just rank them. I think we're going to agree Notre Dame starts at number one, right? If you're the Big Ten. What are you making a face? Is it who you would want most or who you can get most? Who you'd most want. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame's going to be yes, on the top of everybody's yeah. wish list. Yeah. I didn't need, to, I didn't need the, 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 you know, the bad but I would But I would say Notre Dame would have been higher on the list than USC and UCLA. Certainly than UCLA. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe than USC, I don't know, but... So after we put Notre Dame, like next, Oregon, Oregon. Washington, or or and I don't know. Grant of rights issues with the ACC is is very unwieldy, right? Um, but then all of a sudden, if you're the Big Ten, are you looking and saying, "Well, we got Maryland from there, and we got, you know, yeah." Do you look and say, "All right, we're going to try to take, we're going to see about Clemson, Miami." North Carolina, Duke. Or well, look, by like all that. indications, the bit this and and I don't know how it is that everything else leaks in college sports except realignment. They do a great job of keeping these things very covert. Um, by all indications, they kept the circle really, really tight, and nobody really knew this was coming outside of those two schools, USA and UCLA, and the Big Ten. Now that it's out there, I have to think the next domino. I'm not saying definitely, but but where you immediately turn your eyes to is Oregon because it just, first of all, like you'd want to, I mean, now at this point, if you can get out of the PAC 12, you're going to, want to get out of the PAC 12 because that next TV deal is not without USC just take, took a huge hit. Um, but like somebody, I'm just looking at Twitter. It's been a eventful day on Twitter to say the least. Somebody put up basically like a weather map from TV with the big 10 logos on it. And you just see those two LA schools. So, so, so far away from the other ones. The next closest school is Nebraska. You gotta think that they would want to give them some travel partners. That it wouldn't just be these two all the way out on the other side of country by themselves playing all of their road games back in the central and eastern time zones. Wouldn't you want to give them, and my guess is it would be these two, Oregon, Washington, as their travel partner? Yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, that would make a lot of sense. You have two other schools, by the way, Oregon and Washington are rivals. Um, there's a rivalry there. I think there, it's also, uh, you know, Washington is Seattle. That is a big, big, that's also a pretty big media. Yeah, it's market. a pretty good, nice market you'd like to have, you know, and Portland's not a small media market either. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that still, I think needs to be sorted out. I think that's, if you're, if you're I think Oregon schools, I think, suddenly has a lot of, 
may have a lot of leverage unless the Big Ten is just like, we're done. Like, we can't go beyond 16. Sorry. But that seems, I don't know, at this point, that doesn't seem like a, a hindrance anymore. Because, you know, I think if, if the if the remaining 10 stay in the stay in the pack, will be back to the pack 10 and grab a couple other schools, they can they can make it work the way the Big 12 made it work. But if you lose Oregon, that to me, that's the end of it. That's the end of the pack 10, which is a crazy, crazy thing to say. But at that point, I think everybody gets poached. The Big 12 goes and gets probably Arizona, Arizona State at the least, maybe Colorado, Utah on top of that. Um, you know, you're at that, at that point, you're down to just what Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Stanford and Cal are in a, in a, in a super awkward spot at that point, too. You know, so. Well, they're in, a, they're in a super awkward spot right now um, because I genuinely think everybody operated under the assumption that USC and UCLA would never leave those two behind. And especially Cal, you know, you talk about, a, you know, two state schools, U, UCLA, University of California at Los Angeles, and UC Berkeley, University of California at Berkeley are in the same university system, same university system. And they left them behind. Um, also Stanford and Cal, uh, you know, not necessarily football or, or men's basketball powerhouses, but they are two of, if not the two, just, oh, if you look overall athletic department, Olympians, national championships, and all these other sports, they're, they're the envy of everybody. And they could be in the Mountain West. It's, that's, I feel like we're one more domino away from that being a possibility. Yeah. I mean, look, it's hard to me. If I said to you, oh, they were going to take six, and they were going to take USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford. It's almost like Big Ten, Big Ten East, Big Ten Central, Big Ten West. Yeah, hey, I um, like that concept. Yeah, I mean, it, it's academically I, I, it would make a lot of sense for them. Yeah, to academically, Cal, right? Like TV media-wise, doesn't do yeah. anything. I mean, technically, no. they'd be able to say, oh, well, now we have the San Francisco market, too. We own. Well, technically, yeah. they say they have the New York market and it's Rutgers, right? Yeah. I mean, so that's every bit as much a a uh, point of emphasis, right? Yeah. Um, they're in a bad spot. You know who's also in a really bad spot? The Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl. The poor, poor Rose Bowl. I mean, they just the sport just keeps picking them apart. Um, I looked it up. USC has made by far the most Rose Bowl appearances of any school. UCLA is sixth. But more than that, if the Pac-12 becomes basically either a group of five league or one step a group of five league, are they really going to still do a Big Ten Pac-12 Bowl every year? That seems unlikely. I think the best positioning for the Rose Bowl, if they can make it happen, is to get a permanent either a semifinal or final spot, you know, in the playoff. The original concept was that the new, you know, the one that, that almost happened and then didn't, the original concept was that the six new year, six bowls would rotate between hosting quarterfinals and semifinals that every year you would either host a quarterfinal or semifinal. And look, at the end of the day, the ACC just flat out said, we're not doing this. So that would have been enough to block it right there. But the pack. Wait, wait. Who said they would? They would not do it. The ACs to do the the playoff 
to do a 12 team playoff, right? Jim Phillips right. and the ACC. Oh, yeah, I got you. Okay, I missed not, not doing it. But also the Big Ten and Pac 12 wouldn't vote for it either. The Pac 12's reasoning was on a few fronts, but one of them was that they wanted to protect the Rose Bowl. And the Rose Bowl was asking for like hosting quarterfinals, semifinals. Yeah, that's nice. But we want to keep doing a Big Ten Pac 12 game too. And which just would have thrown the whole thing into chaos. Um, I have a feeling that obstacle just went by the wayside, and I'm sad for it because I love the Rose Bowl. But there's not a spot. There's there's just no there's no spot for it in this landscape other than what you just said. You know, hosting, which should seemingly be a really good thing. Hey, we get to host a a, a meaningful playoff game every year. But you know, well, you their can, traditions are their traditions. Well, you can still get your Rose Bowl fix when you come out to cover Maryland at UCLA. <laughs> Big Ten, would you just call it Big Ten West, West Big Ten of West, Central, Big, Big Ten. Ten West of of the Big Ten West uh, ramifications. Um, yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And then in terms of the CFP itself, right? I wonder if the ACC is going to regret now having said, "Yeah, we're in no rush to do that," because now when they start talking about twenty twenty six, there's no unanimous vote because it's a brand new contract. And two conferences basically hold all the leverage and you, they're going to, it's whatever the big 10, and the sec want, everybody else would just have to say yes or no. And, um, you know, Kevin Warren, ironically was the one who was saying he wanted guaranteed spots for the power five champs, guaranteed spots for the power five champs. I don't think he needs that anymore. I think if anything, he should want as many at large spots as possible because his league and the sec are going to get most of them. So a couple of, I don't know, a month ago or so, there was chatter out of from Greg Sankey and the SEC about maybe the SEC will have its own playoff. Yeah. If the SEC and what will become the Big Ten, and as we're saying this, it's a couple of years away from being this, but also keep in mind Texas and OU at some point will get used to them being SEC properties. Um, if it was those two leagues, and let's say – um, our colleague Nicole Auerbach had raised this, and I've seen this brought up by you know a bunch of people over time, which is two super leagues. They're going to be somewhere between eighteen to twenty-two uh, schools potentially. If it became that, and somebody said, you know what, they're going to they're going to have a playoff amongst themselves. You know, if you're, and I don't know where the the top of the of the ACC could be at that point. Cause again, we were talking about their grant of rights. I don't know how that gets worked around or not. Um, I don't know if at some point, if you're talking about those two leagues of Notre Dame at that point has their hand force where it's like, you know what, we're not going to save a spot for you. Right. It's going to be, you're either going to join one of these two leagues and I would think it would be the, the big 10 um, or, you know, you're going to be in the same boat with, with the new big 12 and whatever's left of the ACC and whatever's left of the Pac-12. So if it, I think now, you know, again, if you puff up these leagues a little more than just adding USC and UCLA, I think, I don't say most people, because there's always going to be fans of, you know, Virginia Tech or of, or of Texas Tech or Baylor or, you know, Arizona State who are going to go, yeah, that's not a, that's not a true playoff. But I think, for the powers that run the sport and for a lot of people who will cover the sport, I think they would there. It's easier for them to wrap their minds around that than it is going to be to say, Oh, if it's just the sec invitational, even though 
traditionally. Right. The, almost all the best teams have been in the SEC of the last decade. I think it kind of depends on are there going to be more dominoes from here? And you've mentioned it a couple of times now, the ACC. If, if I'm Clemson, I'm calling my lawyers right now, if I haven't already, to figure out how to get out of that grant of rights. It goes till 2030. So that's the thing keeping the ACC in place right now is that they sign their grant of rights away until 2036. And so by the letter of that contract, if you want to leave now in 2022, you're going to forfeit 14 years of TV revenue. That's a lot. That's best estimate, 150 million to 200 million, somewhere somewhere there. Matt Fortuna said north of 100, but he may have meant well north of 100. Um, but at some point, does it just say, you just say, you know what, we got to pay it. Like, this is not, this is not the place to be. We need to get over to the SEC. Um, that's the future. The ACC is not. Also, you know, everybody always settles. Maryland was supposed to owe $55 million to join the Big Ten. They sued the ACC and settled for some amount. So if that starts happening, if the, if the basically, and look, like I said, there's only two kings left out there that aren't in those two conferences. Um, if the SEC and Big Ten go and grab a couple more of like the best of the best that are left, then at that point, yeah, I think you could say you have a credible playoff of like just those two leagues or just those two leagues in Notre Dame or like to your point, they say Notre Dame, you know, if you want to be part of this, you got to pick your league, which we always thought would be the ACC because they're a partial member of the ACC, but maybe they would say that's not workable anymore. We, we want to be in the big 10. Interesting times. Uh, you know what? I'm glad for your sake, this happened today and not like 48 hours from now. It's, it's wild. As we're recording this, I mean, it's 1.48 p.m. on the West Coast, and in about uh, 32 hours, I'll be on a cross a transatlantic flight, and I'm not going to be working there. So it's, but I have a feeling I'm now, it's going to be a lot harder for me to, I said I'm just going to totally disconnect for two weeks. That's going to be a lot harder now, because I want to know what's next. I'm going to ask you a question I think you asked me a while back on this podcast, maybe in response to the A&M stuff or the Texas OU stuff last year. Is this good for college football or is this bad for college football? Mm. Okay, I'm going to preface this by adding some full disclosure. I work for Fox Sports in addition to The Athletic. Um, I think Fox Sports owns a considerable stake in the Big you know, Ten Network. They have reportedly already locked down their half, if not more, of the Big Ten for the next uh, next contract. So I get it. You've got to tell the line a little bit. Yeah, if you told me that the rest of the Pac-12, what's left over, whether Oregon and, and I'm talking down the road, to, you know, two years or three years, Oregon and Washington, if they end up in the Big Ten or if they don't, but if they end up in the Big Twelve, um, that's a you know that's good for the Big Twelve. It's not. I don't. I think it's good for the Big Twelve. We're talking about like you know obviously not heavy revenue. You know, Utah is is obviously a really good football program. But like, I don't think that the the there's going to be big revenue uh, compared to what USC brings. Obviously, I think the tricky part to me, Stu, is. 
we are in such a mind now where you have to, you have to wrap your, you've already had to wrap your mind around change, right? So, um, I think you and I will adapt, you know, it's easier for us to adapt because like, I'm trying to give you a, a, an honest answer. Like, let me help you out here. I'm going to say, so we are both sitting in the state of California right now. Mm-hmm. I, I know one thing. It's not good for West Coast. If you're a West Coast college football fan, what are you going to do now? You're going to be a Big Ten fan because you want to watch USC and UCLA? I don't I don't see that happening. The, the interest has already been eroding. The recruits are already leaving the West Coast at, at a pretty alarming pace. I did see it thrown out there today that this, this will you know, help USC and UCLA's recruiting and that some of those kids will be like, well, yeah, heck yeah, I want to go play at the Horseshoe and in the big house and whatnot. Maybe that's true, but it just kills the other schools. So I don't know that I love the idea of one pretty major region of the country just being totally cut out of this thing. Um, I mean, is it? I mean, is it totally cut out because USC and UCLA are part of this? Basically, yeah. LA will still be a part of it. But like what I just alluded to earlier with Cal and Stanford, I could just see just college football will just cease to exist here in the Bay Area if if Utah and and college gets totally left behind. Um, if if uh, I mean, I think, like I said, I think Oregon will be okay in the long run, one way or mm-hmm. the other. But, I mean, so much of the identity, I mean, the Pac-12 is one of the oldest conferences. It wasn't always called that, obviously. There's just so much tradition and identity wrapped around that conference, and it's now in serious jeopardy. Like, the Big 12, if it had gone away, they were able to save themselves. Good for them. The Big 12 was formed in 1996, Right. These California schools and or they've been playing together since like the 1890s. So I don't think that's necessarily great. I think that we're in the middle of a massive, massive transformation. You know, this is a piece of it. NIL is a piece of it. I think probably sooner than later, uh, athlete employee athletes becoming employees, paid employees and those sports will be a thing. It's just going to be a completely different product. And I think. It'll be more like the NFL. It'll be more like the NFL. And it's going to turn some people off. And it's also going to make some people more interested. I wouldn't be surprised if 10 years from now, you know, that they do a survey in LA and there are more college football fans there than they used to be. Right. Because they're at least part of it. But um, at the end of the day, this will really test the notion of um, I know it was when we had David Oven on after he reported his original story about Spire Sports in Tennessee and basically buying all these recruits and whether this is going to ruin college football. And he said, I just don't buy that that's going to erode interest in these college towns in the South where like life revolves around SEC football. Saturdays in Oxford, Mississippi and Fayetteville, Arkansas and whatnot is just too powerful a bond to be broken by, oh, that guy got a huge NIL deal. So it'll never, I don't think it'll ever um, cease to be important there in Columbus, in State College, et cetera. But it could, the ripple effect to the schools and communities that are being kind of feel like they're they're being second second fiddle. Yeah, that, that could be pretty alarming. Yeah, I think that's a lot of wisdom from Oven, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, it's funny, as we were taping this, 
I saw um, Matt Barry is a Sports Center host, and he's a pretty uh, you know open big Arizona State fan. And I saw he had tweeted this: "You are looking live," which is obviously a nod towards uh, broadcast legend Brad Musburger at Piscataway, New Jersey, where longtime Big Ten rivals Rutgers and UCLA are fighting for East and Pacific time zone supremacy. And obviously, that's some sour that's some sour grapes from an Arizona State fan who you know apparently is going to get left. You know, his school is getting left behind in this. But you know how many generations, or I guess how many rounds of those exact jokes have been like, well, well, you know, every time there's been a major move like this, it felt very, very foreign at first. I remember when Boston College joined the ACC, and it was like, really? Boston College is going to be in the same conference with Clemson? Like, that seemed completely foreign. Now you're totally used to it. Um, I think Nebraska to the Big Ten was a bit jarring at first. You got used to it. Um you know, people eventually get used to it. I will say we're like eight years into Rutgers and Maryland in the Big Ten, and that still is a running joke. So I don't know that people have ever fully absorbed that one. Um, but for the most part, people just kind of adapt and and get used to it. But this is this is a huge ask. Um, like I said, I think I think Big Ten fans, it may be a little, hey, why are we doing this at first? But at the end of the day, like you want to watch USC come to your stadium. Like that, that's a that's a a conference that already had three or four major marquee brands just added another one. Um, again, I'd be curious. You said you've talked to USC people. We feel reasonably certain they're going to be pretty happy about this. That's a great question about UCLA. I feel like their fans are more, they care, but they don't care quite as much. I don't think their identity they, is as tied into UCLA football anywhere near as USC fans are to USC football. And this is all anecdotal, but like where I live, I probably live around no, um, I don't know, a dozen USC families, whereas I know maybe one USC family. I'm talking like, you know, people I live pretty close to. And the USC folks, you know, it is just, it is just like so much that the kids are raised with it. I'm not saying the UCLA people aren't at all, are apathetic to it, but it's just like it, it USC is more like what what Ubin was referring to with with SEC fans um, that it's just a part of their identity because I think it's so much and remember for the longest time and I'm not saying some of these folks I know but like USC basket UCLA basketball was yeah. the dominant thing with John Wooden but it's been all you know that was a long time ago and I just think for a variety of reasons it's just not the same you know. The UCLA fans I know, and keep in mind, it's a very small sample size, but the UCLA fans I know are more passionate about basketball than football. There's a little bit of a defeatist uh, feeling in football at this point because it's now been 24 years since Cade McDown. My sense, though, is with UCLA football, it's like we want to beat SC, and if we can win 9 or 10 games, great. Right? There's not like we have to compete for the national championship. USC, national championship or bust. Mm-hmm. I, I I do wonder. It's all we we aren't even going to have time to get into this, but like the idea of UCLA basketball, this one of the most prestigious basketball programs in the country, now playing uh, most, if not all, their games at places like Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa. That that's actually that's actually almost harder for me to wrap my brain around than the football part. But we'll let our friends that there are college basketball friends who write college basketball for the athletic delve into that. All in all, um, just a. Uh, just a remarkable day and one that I think we will remember as kind of the, 
the beginning of the end of this era of college football, the beginning of a new era that I don't quite know what it's going to look like yet, but it's going to be the Big Ten and SEC running the show. So, so let me circle back on this one quick thing. And maybe it's not a quick thing. Which was higher on your shock factor? Oklahoma and Texas leaving or USC and UCLA leaving? Honestly, this, because, I mean, I was pretty damn shocked the day the Oklahoma and Texas thing happened. But we had already gone through that once. We had already gone through them almost leaving the first time. This was just for, for a different league than last time. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to disagree. Okay, go to ahead. Me, to me, the other one was way more of a jolt than this. Because just from living out here, like USC finally getting off the pot and making a move is like, okay. But um, I just feel like, and gr- granted, Texas and OU, there were rumblings about them before maybe coming to the Pac-12 of all places and everything else. But Or, the, um, or it was even the Pac-10 then. I don't even know. Um, not the Pac-12. But it's... To me, because like we've been through this, I don't want to say when I asked those the alliance guys the the question that like at that point, but it was like you know what after what we just saw, nothing should really shock us. Uh, you're right, and in fact, as I'm thinking about it, I do think I was I reacted with much more shock last year because it came out of complete nowhere. I think the fact that we had already gone through this less than a year earlier probably makes today a little less shocking. But I guess what I was trying to say is because, because you're talking about the Big Twelve is not as established as USC and UCLA are to that more more that the, we'd already gone through a round of the Big Twelve almost dying. We'd already gone through a round of OU and Texas flirting with another conference. I, the OU to Texas SEC, OU and Texas to SEC possibility had been bandied about, even if it hadn't come up that recently. But USC and UCLA, I do remember at Pac-12 Media Days last year talking about this very scenario with an AD at Pac-12 Media Days in, in terms of he was stressing that the Pac-12 needs to be proactive and do something before they get poached like that. And hey, he turned out to be right. But but it didn't seem all that realistic. Like, are they really going to join a conference 2,000 miles away? That doesn't seem all that realistic. Hey, it happened. That turns out nothing is unrealistic. Nothing is unlikely anymore. Anything can happen in, in college sports. So you know, I'll let you know in a couple of days how the folks in Paris are taking this news. Um, you know, I'm sure that they are uh, refreshing their feed as we speak there. Um, you know, a lot of interest in both Big Ten football and L.A. football in Paris. I'm kidding. Um, but man, it's going to be another interesting month or so, I would think, as we start figuring out what the dominoes are going to be. All right. As always, send your questions to the audiblepod at gmail.com. We'll see you. We may see you. Uh, I may see you before the students back in the country. But um, definitely make Pac-12 Media Day a lot more interesting. See you next time. How did we get away with the things we used to do?